Hey, y'all. Uh, today is our final week of First Peter. So we're going to be in First Peter chapter 5. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to that. We're going to talk about some of the closing remarks uh, Peter has in his first letter to uh, Christians who are scattered all, all, over, the, all over the place in the, in the Roman Empire and how he uh, talks to us and teaches us about what it looks like to be alert, uh, to be paying attention to what's going on around us and how it impacts our spiritual Walk. When I think of being alert, I think of my childhood because when we were growing up, my sister and I would take turns spending a week or two with my grandparents. And my grandparents had something that we did not have at home, and I still don't have, even as an adult, that I've never had. They had cable TV. Now, how many of you have ever experienced cable TV? It's amazing because you can just take that remote and just keep going through channel after channel after channel, and there are so many shows that you just don't want to watch. It's just an incredible thing that you can just keep pressing and looking for something and just can't, can't find anything anywhere. Well, as a kid, I really enjoyed that. And one of the things that I got to experience were older shows that were in syndication at the time. So one of my favorite TV shows ever, for example, is Get Smart. I don't know, if you don't know about Maxwell Smart and the shoe phone and the cone of silence and all the things, then you're, you're really missing out. So go, ahead, go and check that out. I don't, I don't know where you can, I don't even know if you can stream that or anything anywhere, but I, I would encourage you to go check that out. But another show that I really enjoyed as a kid was called Lost in Space. And it started off as a black and white television show, and then, then they shifted to color. There have been some kind of freebooty kind of things with some other TV shows and, and movies. But I'll tell you, the best one is the most recent one done on Netflix. So if, you, if you're a sci-fi fan and you enjoy I, I see some, like, thumbs up. And yeah, all right. So I'm not alone in that. If you're a sci-fi fan at all, I highly recommend it. It's worth, worth, worth checking out. One of, the, one of the key plot points in Lost in Space is that there's this family on their, on, their, on their spaceship, and you guessed it, they got lost in space. And it's, it's the family, it's the mom and dad, it's the kids, and they've also got a pilot there, Don West, and they've got uh, Dr. Smith, who's with them as well, and they also have a robot, a B9 robot, who is called Robot. And every episode, you know, the family would get into some sort of hijinks of, of some sort, and the robot would always say, warning, warning, and he would flap his arms, flap his arms. Every once in a while, maybe just one time in the, in the show, he said, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Um, and, and that's like the classic line that you remember that. So the, this robot, this futuristic thing, had superhuman strength, uh, had, an, had futuristic weapons, and had this early warning system that right before some alien was going to come out of nowhere, like, like a split second before, so I don't know how helpful that actually was, uh, the, the robot would say, warning, warning, or danger, danger, and this, this great thing. It seems like it would be this pretty useful thing. Like, what if there was an app for that? You know, as you, as you go in life, I and mean, we've got computers with us all the time, um, and they have voices and they speak to us, and, or maybe that's a personal issue. I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe yours does, you know, Siri or Alexa or, or, th or that kind of thing. Um, like, what if, what, if, what if we had this technology, you know, that right before, I don't know, we were going to make some sort of mistake or something was going to happen in our life, some situation was going to present itself, we had this thing that said, warning, warning, danger, danger. Um, one of the greatest ironies of the show is they had this robot that would warn them of dangerous situations. And one of the greatest ironies is that the, the person that made them the most in danger in the show was one of their companions who had control of the robot, Dr. Smith. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert. 
So if I, if I ruin that for you, I, I, really, I really apologize. Um, you know, Dr. Smith was the one who made them lost in space. Dr. Smith is the one who is an enemy agent saboteur who was there with them the whole time that continued to, to make problems for the, for the family. And so there's this great irony that you had this robot that would give you this split-second split warning ahead of time of danger and yet miss the fact that, like, there was danger right there and among them. And so one of the things that we, you know, that we need in life is we, we need a, a good way for us to understand what, what things we should be cautious about, what things we should be alert to, what kind of dangers we might be in. Um, and we, we, need, we need those kind of systems in our life. Um, our early warning systems, you know, may or may not be as finely tuned as we'd like for them to be. I mean, our brains kind of, we have life experiences that sometimes... You know, we'll, we'll associate smells, for example, with, with something like maybe uh, you, growing up, you know, you just remember everybody who smoked cigarettes or something like that, you know, uh, were really nice to you. And so every time you smell a cigarette, you're like, oh, this is a nice person. Uh, and, then, and then you think, you know, there's this one guy who always had lifesavers, you know, and every time I smell peppermint, and he was mean to me. And every time I smell, smell a lifesaver, I'm like, you know, anybody who smells a peppermint must be mean or so, th those kinds of things. And that's great when that works out. But if we don't necessarily learn the right lessons in that, then their warning system Systems not, might not be as finely tuned as, as they need, need to be. And the thing that makes the most significant difference in our life for these things is when we have other people in our life that help to provide those things, help to share life with us, help to share their life experience with us, uh, who have been there and done that and give us wisdom and alertness in how we tackle these types of things that come up in life. My son had a baseball tournament this past weekend, and it was a um, four-field uh, complex, and all of the home plates, you know, the, uh, were, were backed up to each other. So if you imagine four fields, you know, facing outward from each other, um, and they had really high fences that were straight up. They didn't have the angled fences there. And if you've ever gone to a baseball game, you've probably seen foul balls, all right? And what would happen in this complex is the foul balls didn't just like go into the stands and people catch them and that kind of thing. The foul balls were going towards people whose backs were turned who were watching the other game. Um, they actually went onto the other fields as well in the middle of gameplay. And so one of the common things that you heard and that I yelled during, during times when that happened, when we saw a foul ball coming from our field is, heads up. You know, so everybody does this, you know, head, heads up, you know, put our heads down. Um, I don't know. Nobody wants to catch the ball, I guess. And, and listen, there were, some, there were some pretty close calls, uh, let, me, let me tell you. But as far as I know, I never saw a single person get hit, um, which was, pre I mean, there were balls flying everywhere. I mean, it's really impressive. A lot of people there. Um, and while a heads up doesn't always keep someone from being hurt, it's so often effective because it's coming from people, and hear me out on this, it's coming from people who know the future. A heads up comes from somebody who knows the future. Think, think about that just for a second, right? Because when I'm yelling heads up, I know the ball is going over there. Like I can see the trajectory. So I know what's coming. And so that's why I yell that thing because I can see what's about to happen. So it gives that early warning. It's a message from the future. I don't like we, we can be time travelers. I'm, that's what I'm telling you here. We're keeping the sci-fi, you know, theme, theme going. All right, maybe it's, maybe it's not exactly knowing the future, but we can see what's coming. Just like growing up, our parents would try to teach us what the wise thing to do is, and we decided whether or not to 
have to learn that lesson on our own or benefit from their experience. One of the things that we need continual reminding of is that our faith is communal. It's not individualistic, and we're meant to benefit from one another's life experience as we pay attention to what's going on in the world around us. As Peter's wrapping up his first letter in chapter 5, so now we're going to open up the text and, and, and uh, start reading. He speaks directly to the body life of the church and how we lead and follow that we might be alert to more than just what is happening in our everyday lives, um, more than just the things that consume naturally the primary hours of our days, like, oh, I've got to fix lunch because that's what I have to do. There's, there's more for us to pay attention to. Um, he, he reminds us that there's a spiritual reality that informs how we worship and how we live together and how we think about life that we need to be in tune with and we need to be alert to. Um, and God builds this directly within the fabric of the church and within our character as followers of Jesus, and he sustains that work in us through the Holy Spirit and, and through other people in the church, all right? So that's, that's setting up this last chapter in 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1. To the elders among you, elder means older. I appeal, nobody appreciated that. That's okay. All right, I, I get it. I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So Peter is going to continue talking about people in, in the church and how the church operates, but he naturally starts at the top and works his way down, acknowledging that those who are older and hear me on this, hopefully wiser as well, know better, are, ought to be examples to everyone else in the church. The goal being, hey, watch how I do it, and we will be the better for it by following those similar patterns. Those who are older are more experienced. They are our time travelers, and they are able to give us a heads up in life. And we all need folks who are more experienced than us to give us godly wisdom in our lives. One of the best things that you can do for your life, for your family's life, is for you to develop a good, healthy relationship with a godly, older person who can help lead you and give you the wealth of their experience when it comes to following God. We, we need people who have been there before us, who have done that before us, who have the t-shirt before us, who have the scars to show for it, who can give us the benefit of their wisdom and their experience in following God. Um, that's the goal as we get older, is that we experience growth. We understand ourselves better. We become wiser. Our collection of life experiences brings us closer to God as we've spent more time with Him, and then we get to share that with other people in our lives. That's, that's kind of how, how it should work. Peter is also being much more specific than that. He's not just talking about those who are older. He's actually talking about those who are set apart for church leadership as well. Shepherds, elders, guide, protect, and care for God's flock. Just as we are stewards of our lives, there are stewards of the life of the church, and elders serve in that role. And let me tell you, um, I've served at more than one church in my life, and I can tell you that when I say I'm grateful for the men who have served as elders in the past um, and in the present of Velocity, Rex, Daryl, John, Tim, Bob, um, when I tell you that I'm grateful for those men and the example that they have been and are being, um, 
While none of them would claim to be perfect, their attitude and character has been consistent with what Peter should be the case in, in this passage. Um, and and that, is, that is a, a very, very important thing. Um, and and th- something that I, I highly, highly value. Peter says elders ought to be willingly caring, eager to serve, examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And as the life of the church ebbs and flows along with the events of the world around it, we need focus on what's important and leadership that keeps us on track with doing the right things the right ways. Um, it's true for life when everything is going along normally and hunky-dory. It's true when, like when Peter is writing, the church is being persecuted. Um, it's instructive to me to know that the context in which Peter is writing, you know, the, the church is being persecuted, and, and he's, he's talking about um, leadership in the church and, and how, how we're alert to the world around us and the character and, and what that looks like and how we move forward. And, um, and it's, it's so comforting to me to know that Peter doesn't say, elders, make sure that everyone in the church freaks out proportionally to what's going on in the world around them. Like, I, I really appreciate it. You know, the church is being persecuted, and you don't say, elders, make sure you teach everybody to freak out because of inflation, you know, you know, and make sure you talk about gas prices all the time, and make sure you're really negative about, you know, all the things that are, that are happening to our 401ks. You, you know, hey, you know, make sure that people appropriately panic in, in your life. Like, that's, that's not what he says in there. Instead, he simply reminds the leadership of the church to calmly continue to being alert, to be alert to what's happening in the world around us, and to continue to go, go about the work of the kingdom. After all, when Jesus comes back, and we are all of us called to continue to live our lives prepared for him to be coming back again soon, um, that is when things that will never fade away are drawn sharply into focus, um, and those are the things that we should be spending our life um, focus and energy on. And while not everyone is an elder in the church, um, all these three things that we talk about and that Peter talks about and that are modeled for us are things that we ought to aspire to as well. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he, he just says boldly, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's the goal, not just for church leadership, that's the goal for all of us in our life, for us to be able to say to someone else in our lives to say, hey, you know what, I, I get like things, things might be crazy right now, or, or you, you know, life might not be exactly the way as you want it to, or wh- whatever's happening there, but you know what, you know what you can do? You can follow my example, because I'm alert. I, I'm paying attention to what's going on in, in life. You can follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, and, and you're going to be headed the right way. Um, and just as there are responsibilities for leading, there are responsibilities for following. And so Peter continues in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. He says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he might lift, may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Uh, submission to godly leadership not only provides us with practical examples of following Jesus. I mean, just from a practical you know, standpoint, it should be, we should be able to look at other people and say, oh, it is possible to do this. Like, that's what that looks like. Okay, we're, we, we, can, we can do that too. It provides us with the benefit of the wisdom of those who have gone before, who are leading toward the goodness of God, and who can warn us of dangers that we might not see coming, that they've experienced, they, they have life experience with. Um, 
this is a lot more practical than having a robot follow around us and wave its arms and say, danger, danger, Rob Yancey, all the time. Um, someone who ha has been there you know, and can help lead through those things and provide wisdom, that is, a, that is an incredibly powerful thing. This is one of the myriad of reasons throughout the, throughout the New Testament that we read that our faith is supposed to be consistently communal. So when we talk about worshiping together and we talk about serving together, you know, we have our welcome video and we talk about all those, all those things that we're called to do, worship, serve, uh, be in small groups together, all those things. It's not just, be, we don't just say those things because you're supposed to. It, you know, and I think, I think that's important to identify every once in a while. Like, we, th those are actually really thought out, study things from Scripture that we know, hey, this, this, is a, this is what we need in our faith to be followers of Jesus, to be disciples. Uh, these are the things that we need to be competent in our faith and to be prepared for what is to come. Uh, some of the things that cause anxious thoughts in our lives might be able to be avoided um, if, if we have put ourselves in a position to follow the example of others who have gone there before, to, in humility, hear somebody else's voice in our life uh, leading us toward, toward Jesus. We need to be surrounded by people who are willing to give us a heads up. And there's a phrase that Peter repeats three times in this letter that helps us to take note of this. And so I, I want to read, I'm actually going to read them backwards, okay? So I'm going to continue in 1 Peter chapter 5, then we're going to read another one in 1 Peter chapter 4, then we're going to read another one in 1 Peter chapter 1. And so here's, here's what he says, uh, starting in verse 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. If you've ever watched a nature documentary, it's, it's pretty likely... You guys know what I'm talking about, like a National Geographic special. It's probably likely that you wa watched one that has a lion involved. And you know, you, you kind of know what lions do, right? They hunt for their food. Um, they, they eat things. And we kind of know, know th their tactics. Um, other animals know their tactics, too. Like they, like they, learn, they learn those things. And yet lions still exist. They, they still find food. And they, they still, they're still around. So that tells us something about how we, how we approach things. They still exist because they still find food. It's because they're sneaky about it. They don't fight fair. You know, a lion doesn't look at a herd of wildebeest and say, you know what, that's a big one. Right there in the middle, you know, of all the other wildebeest, you know, a lot of muscle in that, a lot of meat. Muscle is meat. I don't know if you, if, if you knew that. Um, and and, and let, let, let's, go, let's go for that one. No, that's not what they do. They freak out the herd, you know, run up, scare them, and then they pick off the ones who either run away from the herd, that they're, they're alone, or they pick off the weak, sickly ones, or they pick off the young ones. Like, that's what they do. They have tactics. They, they don't fight fair. They're, they're, they're trying to eat. Um, evil works the same way. Uh, so I, I think this is why Peter uses this analogy of the devil you know, going around like a roaring lion. The devil wants us to buy into the lie that we don't have to pay attention, that we can live life based on whatever whim, you know, may take us. The devil wants us to be overwhelmed by the circumstances of this world. Um, and the best way for that to happen, to be overwhelmed, is for us to be too proud to avoid the pitfalls that make us easier targets. 
I mean, the devil wants us alone. The devil wants us weak. The devil wants us young without wisdom. And while there's leadership in the church or, you know, the flock, as, as it were, the herd to help show us the way, it is our responsibility with, with humility to be alert to what goes on around us and in us. So as we close out this first letter from Peter, we'll just state what he tells the church to be alert for. So from this first passage where he says, be alert, which is really the third time he says it in the letter, he just says, be alert for the enemy. The spiritual battle we face against the devil, who is the liar, the slanderer, and accuser, it's, it's not fought fair on his side. And our vigilance comes from the consistent practice of spiritual discipline and discipleship in our lives, the relationship that we have with one another, how we worship together and serve together in small groups with each other, how we pray with each other, how we, um, how we help each other in, in life. We can resist and stand firm because we are not alone, because we are more prepared and more prepped when we train together. And when things get overwhelming out of nowhere, we can be reminded that God doesn't fight fair either and that the victory against evil has already been won through Jesus. Here's the second time that Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. He says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The end of all things is near. The end of all things. And, you know, uh, just, just, kid, just kidding. Um, you know, when, when Peter says this, and we read throughout the entire New Testament, this, this regular idea of, hey, Jesus is coming again soon, so be ready. Live your lives in such a way as you are prepared for that truth. When we read in the New Testament, hey, the end is near. You know, um, I'll just say, it. the church didn't freak out when they read this. The church actually was encouraged by these words. And they're like, you're right. Like the, the, the persecution that's happening, the world not being the way that it should be, you know, the way that, that we, we see things, the way that people are treating each other, um, the, the, you know, the situations we find ourselves in, the way that our culture is operating, the end of those things is near. God is going to deal with that, and he's going to take care of it. Jesus is coming again soon. When they, when they heard that, they, didn't, they weren't scared. They weren't feel, fearful about that. They were joyful about that. And what it did is it motivated them to share the gospel with other people because of those things. Because they realized, hey, there are other people who are missing out on this good news. There are other people who are missing out on this life that God has called us to. And we don't want them to be without that because God is coming back. Jesus is coming back again soon. The end is near. It encouraged the early church. Um, again, it's one of the consistent things um, throughout, throughout the New Testament. Jesus is returning again soon. We ought to live lives ready uh, to be so for when that day comes. Only God knows when that day is, and anyone who predicts when it is coming is a false teacher. Period. The end being near, Jesus coming soon, it draws the important things, the things that matter in the scope of eternity, sharply into focus for us. We have a blink of an eye on this on this earth. Life is but a vapor for us. Maybe, 
may we not waste that. May, may it be an intentional thing for us. Um, may, may we be focused on living and sharing the gospel for those who are around us, because we don't have forever in this life. Peter gives this practical teaching in the continued verses for what our lives should look like in light of this. And so, you know, you read those verses that he says after this, be alert because the end of all things are near. Those are practical things that we should apply in our lives. And I encourage you to to spend time in that this week uh, to identify that. But check out what he says we should be alert for. He says, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And so, yeah, be alert for the enemy, but also be alert so that you know what to pray about. To, to be in continual communion with God in your life. Because Jesus is coming soon and we are not promised forever in this physical life, how much more should we be in conversation with God and communion with God so that we might make the most of this life he has given us to choose him? And so we take every opportunity there is to pray, keeping in mind that prayer isn't just asking God for things. It is about talking to God about being open with God, honest with God, and it's also about listening too. Um, so it's two, conversation takes, takes two things. It, it takes talking, absolutely, but it also takes listening. And so we've got to build that into our prayer time as well if we don't have it there. Be alert for prayer because as much as the physical implications of the end being near or things happening in, in this world might capture our attention, it is the spiritual reality of us continuing to draw closer to an eternity in which we are with God or not with God that should garner our primary awareness in this life. A really practical way I want to uh, challenge you to be alert for prayer. And, and of course, this is not exhaustive, but just a practical way I want to challenge you to do this is that anytime you come across an opportunity to pray for someone or someone asks you for prayer, um, I'm going to encourage you that, that you do that right then and there with that person. So um, it, it's kind of removing one habit and replacing it with another. Instead of saying, hey, I'm, I'll, I'll pray for that. You know, I, I will. Hey, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm just going to encourage you, why don't you just go ahead and do that with that person right then and there. At the, on the phone, you know, in person, what, whatever, over email, you know, what, whatever it is. Hey, I'm going to do that right now. You know, even if it's a text message and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray for you right now in this moment. Be alert for prayer. Um, I, I would love to encourage you to maybe try to do that this week, and I'd love to hear what that experience is like for you. Um, like, share that with me. Sh- send me an email or let, let me know. Um, put that, put it in, that into practice. Um, and be alert so that we might pray, so that we might have an eternal perspective on what's happening um, in our life because the end is near. Here's the first time that Peter talks about being alert, and this is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Early on in his letter, he says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but there are a lot of opportunities to be negative in, in this life. I already mentioned some of them. Gas prices, inflation, you know, 401k, you know, those kinds of, why did you say it again? I don't know. You know, there's so many, so many opportunities to be negative that one of the most conspicuous ways that we can share the good news, the most conspicuous ways that we can show that we are a follower of Jesus, um, that we can show the difference in what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God and be different from that of the world is to be people of hope. 
So be alert. Be alert that the enemy is there. That there's a reality. Be alert to the opportunities of prayer to be in communion with God um, as He guides us um, in all wisdom, and um, be alert to the hope that we continually carry with us, that is sustained in us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Warnings are great. Yelling heads up when somebody's got a baseball flying at their head, you know, and, and it's about to, to knock them upside the head. Th- those are all desperately needed. Um, but it's not the only thing that's needed. So warnings about some of the, the negative things that are happening and coming, those, those are all good. Those, those are all healthy. But there's also goodness coming too. Jesus, Jesus is coming again soon. The, the end of all things is near. And we, that's great news. For, for disciples of Jesus, that is, that is fantastic news. Um, that, that is one of the things that sustains hope within us. And we have this opportunity to share that perspective and that hope with other people and how we live our lives. The greatest person in the world is coming back. And when Jesus does return, it will be with the grace and mercy sustained by his love through his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, and and we, we get to experience that how much more should be alert to be able to share that hope with other people. No matter what else goes on in life, we've got a reason to be hopeful. And that's one of the best ways we can be helpful uh, to others. Um, it might be hard. Um, it, you know, it requires us putting our, our pride aside by, by following the example of other people in our life. Um, it, you know, there's a roaring lion on the prowl. But when it comes to salvation, you know, when the hope of faith first starts to grow in us, um, when it spurs us on to faithfulness, um, the joy on the other side of that symbolic death, burial, and resurrection that we participate in through our baptism as we, as we repent of, um, of the things that have kept us from experiencing the goodness of God in our life, those things are far greater than any danger we face. Uh, than any fear that might present ourselves. We, we have a hope um, that, that is far superior than anything else in this life. And when we are alert to what is to come, and that, that is that Jesus is coming back soon, we are prepared humbly to lead and to, 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 lead and to be led toward Jesus in our life. And so as Peter kind of closes up this letter and wraps up this letter to the scattered, uh, to the scattered church, uh, the people who need encouragement because they're not living within a context that is favorable to the decision to follow God that they made, um, may, we take, may we take this example to, to, to kind of have a heads up, you know, to kind of understand the context in which we live, that there's, it's not just the physical world, there's a spiritual reality that is far more important Um, and that can do far more greater good in our lives than anything else we might might be worried about or anxious about. We can cast those anxieties onto him, um, and it will will be more than fulfilling in in our lives and in life to come. Let's let's pray together as we close out 1 Peter. God, God, help us to have have an eternal perspective, uh, to see see our life this side of heaven, in, uh, in its proper context, that while this, this point in time is brief, we can, um, man, we can shine brightly. Uh, that um, there are people who don't, who don't necessarily have the hope that we do, uh, who are missing that, and, and yet we get to be the hopeful people. We get to be the conspicuous people who have a completely different perspective on life. Because what you have done through Jesus is completely unique to anything else that we experience.
um, that you send, you send your son to, to us to invite us to be with you, our creator, our sustainer. And God, we praise you for that. Give us the, give us the alertness that we need in this life to keep, uh, to keep that perspective in place. Um, that we have an opportunity not only to enjoy what you have given us through Jesus, but to share that with other people. Um, not only to be led toward Jesus, but to, to lead others as well. God, help us to be bold and courageous with the hope that we have. Um, help us to be bold and courageous when, um, when we can sense that uh, evil is pursuing us and lying to us. Help us to be bold um, and courageous in our conversation with you and our listening to you. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.